What does inclusion really mean? How does one of the world's biggest banks handle representation on a global scale? And why is the question of brand transparency a vital one? You're listening to CX Insider, and today we find out. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast with me, your host, Marcel. In this episode, we sat down with Zanata Pexa, Head of Brand Experience at HSBC, to discuss the challenges that come with her role and explore how HSBC are approaching today's biggest issues, from diversity to climate change and economic crisis. Enjoy the conversation, and if you do, why not subscribe to our YouTube channel for CX Insider's best content, or share the episode and leave a comment down below to keep the talks going. By the way, this podcast is brought to you by ACF Technologies, global leaders in customer experience management solutions. All right, Donata, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's lovely to meet you. Would you like to tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you very much for having me. Really, really great opportunity. And uh, so my name is Donata Pexa and I uh, look after global brand experience for, for HSBC. So I'm based in London, part of the of the global team. I've been in London for about 10 years, but I'm actually originally from, from Poland. I've worked in a number of different countries, lived in a number of different countries. So I'd like to think that I'm a pretty good fit for HSBC because HSBC is a very international brand. And I want to think that I've got an internationalist mindset that is kind of in the DNA of the company. So my background is actually, funnily enough, in linguistics, economics and European studies. But then after um, uni, I gravitated towards financial services, as I think a lot of people do a bit unintentionally. And so, you know, 16, 16 years later, I'm still I'm still in financial services having done a number of different roles on the business side and then moved to marketing a few years ago. So head of brand experience is a is an all-encompassing role, you, yeah. you might think. Yeah. It's a very broad <laughs> term. In, in a nutshell, it's basically a concept that is quite related to customer experience and it basically denotes the kind of feelings, reactions and ideas that a consumer gets after being part of an interaction mm-hmm. with with a brand. And that interaction influences a future purchase, either negatively or positively. So brand experience is not fully controlled by the company or by the brand. Okay. There are many different factors that can influence that brand experience. There could be an article in the paper. There could be a negative experience on the app. There could potentially be, you know, someone saying or doing something controversial that will all mm impact positively or negatively the perception of the brand mm-hmm. in the eyes of the of the consumer. So obviously my task, my exercise, my my kind of my job, my responsibility is to deliver intentionally the best possible experience to to consumers, to either our existing customers or our prospective customers, to the employees, to the communities we serve. Because that positive brand experience equals new customers new opportunities, mm. acquisition, of consideration, course. and obviously better better growth for the for the company. And HSBC recently went through a brand strategy update, right? Uh, could you walk us through a bit about what that entails? Yeah, absolutely. So it has been kind of a fairly long journey for HSBC. And the way we wanted to do it is kind of inside out. So initially, we went through a company purpose update, and we had refreshed it in 2021. It is now opening up a world of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's both kind of our company principle, company purpose, but it's also our brand promise. So the two of them for the first time in in a very long time are actually convergent 
and the same. So right. for both for our internal colleagues and and people, but also for our for our consumers, mm. it was a result of an extensive consultation with again both colleagues and and customers around the globe because it had to be representative of our sixty sixty four plus countries. And we have been kind of really happy with the way it has landed with with our people and the colleagues really felt like they contributed to it. They felt that it was part of the company's DNA. It was part of the vision of the company. And obviously opening up a world of opportunity has always been the role of HSBC because we are present in so many markets. We really kind of leverage those opportunities and we connected our customers to those to those opportunities. Um, so I think it had, you know, it had a completely transformative impact mm. on, on the organization. But more personally and more selfishly, it has also really helped me with my job because now I really kind of have that single minded brand purpose that we're we're kind of mm-hmm. trying to to deliver yeah. and i think that really helped inform our company's story yeah. uh and what is it that we're trying to convey what is it that we're trying to promise and also it it really helped to have a target audience defined before the process even started because we know what we're saying we're we know who we're saying it to that's fascinating i from what i've seen in the conversation i've had recently employee experience has really risen in its importance in the overall brand strategy for many companies and i think probably today is like uh, yeah at its highest that i've ever seen in terms of people focusing on it so if i could ask is there any one initiative or thing that you've done at hsbc in particular with the employees that you're either proud of or is going well or maybe not well but you know whatever you want to share is there anything that you stands out so one of the recent pieces of work that we have developed developed uh, within our team was to bring that brand promise to life through a brand narrative and a campaign. So we developed last year a brand narrative, a brand platform that it was called Open Questions. We are very proud of that of that work because it was a very extensively tested with our customers around the globe. Okay. But it's also quite an interesting creative narrative because open questions are generally thought provoking. People love to be answering questions, asked yeah. questions, you know, it means that it's a dialogue, it's a two-way conversation yeah. with with people that are listening to us. And because we are in a world with, you know, increasing levels of uncertainty, questions are everywhere and not mm. everyone has, you know, is able to answer those, but I think it's it's about asking questions. That's that's where the power of questions lies. So we've developed, you know, a really beautiful creative route and we we launched it in our uh, firstly in our airports, so it's live in in some of our major major hubs such mm-hmm. as um, Hong Kong, uh, UK, Singapore, China, so you will see it in jet bridges if you travel. And it's basically a super priming campaign which means that it's to really raise people people's awareness of HSBC, mm. but it's also to really attract their attention, to really grab yeah. their their view whilst they're traveling. Yeah. The questions are from across our four strategic pillars. So they're about international connectivity. They are about legacy, about wealth. They're about diversity and inclusion. They're about human connections. They're about digitization, mm-hmm. but especially kind of technology trends such as, you know, the increasing power of AI. And they're also about sustainability in, inevitably because that's one of the strategic pillars yep. so again sustainability transitioning to net zero i feel like hsbc always seem to be really hitting the main points in the world at the time because whenever i travel and i go to the airport you always see the tunnel as you're boarding yep. the plane <laughs> they've always got really good messaging i'm always reading it thinking that's really oh on that one was really good and then like that's like a human like it's always so accurate i think to the time so that's really that's great it does credit to you really, and your team and stuff really but yeah great to hear. 
As the head of brand experience for such a massively global and mature brand, Donata faces an incredible array of challenges in maintaining the legacy behind it. How does she approach her role, and is it plausible to uphold consistency across such a matrix world? I consider myself a bit of a brand steward or custodian. Mm -hmm. You know, the brand has been around for over 155 years and still counting, and I will only be around for, you know, a very small part of that time. So mm. I think my responsibility is to look after it, to to protect it, to to do the best I can to tell the brand story in a powerful way that really engages our audience. My role is to make sure that there is this kind of emotional connection that we can create because, you know, banking as a as a as an industry, as a category, is a fairly utilitarian service, right? So obviously we need to find that that way and that connection with our consumers, with our prospects, with our people mm -hmm. that really strikes that that emotional chord. The ability to connect with the mindset of the brand, which is very kind of open-minded, which is which is very kind of tolerant, very, very diverse. It's, it's a real opportunity. However, it obviously comes with hurdles and a lot of challenges. Yeah. It's a huge organization. It mm. has, you know, almost um, over 200,000 um, employees. Wow. There are multiple lines of business. So as you can imagine, you know, it's like an oil tanker. Uh, it's, mm. it's really difficult to change the direction of travel. Mm -hmm. There are many, you know, layers of this organization and just the ability to work in a fairly matrix environment. And that kind of culture of consensus is really important. So I would say, on one hand, honor and absolute kind of sense of accountability and responsibility. On the other, on the other hand, there is obviously a huge organization and what comes with size and reach is, is all yeah. very visible and, and tangible. Managing these types of challenges can be highly difficult. Optimizing your customer flow, for example, is crucial to creating amazing customer experiences. But where does one start? Through ACF Technologies Solutions, your customer journeys can reach new heights of success by implementing tailored, industry-leading software that can handle all your needs from appointment booking to virtual queuing and even event management. Want to find out more about how ACF can elevate your CX strategy? Check the link in the description or head over to acftechnologies.com. On the note of challenges, mm -hmm. you have a global brand, but yeah. you certainly localize it to markets. How do you manage that? Because there's an element, I guess, of your brand, which is, yeah, we want to keep this consistent across every market, the 60, 65 markets. But then there's also massive benefit and I guess almost need to like localize. Is that something that you... Yeah, absolutely. You're, you know, 100% right. Obviously, when you are set in London and, you know, you, you are part of, of the global team, you need to be very mindful and very sensitive to those local nuances. So the way we operate is through very close partnerships with uh, with the markets that we work with. So we develop a global narrative and global brand design system, which is fairly flexible. So we kind of consider it to be, you know, an ecosystem or a sandbox within which our marketeers in the markets can can play. Right. And that global narrative is very closely linked to the company purpose, to our brand purpose, to our strategic pillars and to our values. But then each of the markets has their own business objectives. Uh, they have their own proof points or reasons to believe, their own initiatives that support each of these yep. pillars. Yep. And not all the four pillars are equally important okay. uh, for, for each market. So what they then need to do, and we help them in that process, is to look at the global narrative, look at the global assets, 
look at their local strategy and basically find an inflection of that global strategy, that narrative, the local narrative that really works for them, that really tells that story. So they will then have to go through similar kind of audience analysis. They will kind of list their own proof points and, and, and reasons to believe. And then through a process that we have done in numerous markets over a period of probably three to six months, we work out that local local narrative. But it's not a local brand strategy. It's a global brand strategy that is localized to, yeah. to local needs. And that's that's pretty much how, how that setup and arrangement works. So that's, yeah, that's like the operating model, isn't it, behind it where you have, yeah. yeah. Okay, fascinating. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, in different areas, those pillars aren't always going to apply. Like, for example, with diversity and inclusion, different markets will have kind of different expectations or their own sort of cultures, you know, that obviously might conflict with what you have in your global brand strategy. So in terms of localizing the narrative, how do you keep the uh, global strategy still at the heart without compromising it or trying to adapt too much to one place and then losing the, the brand focus at the same time? Time. It's a very timely question and we've had a number of conversations with our various markets about diversity and inclusion mm. guidelines, which we've kind of launched as a, as a as a team. They have been extensively tested with our kind of agency partners, but also um, some of the agencies that help us specifically with diversity and inclusion. I think what's really important is to have those conversations and dialogues and to understand really well the lay of the land in each of the markets. So just to give you some examples, when we were launching um, the airport campaign, uh, a lot of the creatives in the airport campaign are very diverse. So they include very diverse talent. Some of them have people with disabilities. Some of them, you know, depict non-binary people. And so we had a number of conversations with the markets in order for them to be comfortable choosing the right suite of executions from a wide range of, you know, 175 executions. And obviously mm -hmm. some markets were able to push it a bit further, such as Canada or UK or, or, or Australia. And then some other markets like Singapore, we basically just had to make a bit of a statement but not everything was was acceptable mm -hmm. in that in that market, and obviously we have to play by the by mm -hmm. the local rules yeah. as well. For in this particular instance, these executions have to be approved by the airport authority. So where we're trying to to really work out a, a consensus is to push it a bit further than perhaps what is comfortable and typical and customary in the marketplace, mm -hmm. but obviously be very respectful of the local nuances of the local culture and of the local um, sensitivity as well. Yeah. And so mm. far it has worked pretty well and we have received quite a lot of praise from certain markets where people were saying, I'm really happy to be an HSBC customer because it feels to me like you are pushing that envelope a bit mm -hmm. further and that yeah. is quite a unique thing. And whether it's being a bit more vocal during Pride Month or whether it's being a bit more vocal about uh, about accessibility and about kind of, you know, supporting people with, with disabilities, I think we are trying to do the best we can in terms of bringing those themes to the fore but i will not pretend like it's an easy conversation yeah. and i will not mm. pretend like it's it's always a successful one so obviously we're on a we're on a journey <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's difficult these are very very complex topics across the world but they need to you know there's so many areas of opportunity for us to move forward and i think it's initiatives like that that does move the needle slowly in some places faster in others but it certainly moves the needle so it's uh it's important to keep doing it Nobody's perfect, 
We get things right and we get things wrong, but acknowledging your missteps is the first stage of improvement. In that sense, Donata believes brands should be more like humans. HSBCs strive to support environmentally progressive initiatives, yet they've recently faced negative media coverage surrounding their campaigns. And though transparency is key to building long-term customer trust and loyalty, this is both a controversial and complex issue. So let's find out what Donata thinks about it all. There is a huge expectation of brands and generally kind of public uh, figures yeah. to be to be frank, honest, genuine, and transparent. And mm -hmm. I think there's there's even more need of that and more appetite for it in the world that we live in and in the landscape that we live in, which is you know full of misinformation, full of fake news, yeah. very cluttered with different sources of information. And it's very difficult, I think, for everyone to really assess which information is is um, is trustworthy and, and, and which isn't. I think it also is a generational thing where, you know, generation of millennials or Generation Z really trusts brands on the back of what they do rather than on the back of what they yeah. say. So if you make a statement and that statement is later proved, you know, wrong or or it's mm. uh or or your actions don't corroborate that statement, then obviously your the level of trust in, in, in your brand is, is completely diminished. So I think brands are also mindful of that and are putting in place and we are putting in place a whole number of guidelines and mm -hmm. and guidance for people who develop communications within HSBC. So I think presenting that two-sided and balanced view mm. where whenever you are, you know, uh, you are praising yourself or, or, or you're kind of complimenting yourself is very important. I think comprehension is another key element. So you cannot be issuing communications that are not clear to people. Mm -hmm. And by this, I mean both marketing communications, but more importantly, customer communication. So if someone doesn't understand what you are saying and uh, they don't understand the contract that you ask them to sign well that's not right and it's that mm -hmm. that's not fair so we have a lot of initiatives around accessible communications and making sure that you know the tone of voice that we use is very simple very human yeah. um, very customer centric the content must be fully verified so what you're saying has to be backed up by 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 relevant sources it has to be backed up by by case studies you know we must only say things that are factually correct and we have a very robust approval process in place to make that happen that includes compliance legal ad control etc i think it has to be also kept relevant so again you wouldn't be saying you, you wouldn't be communicating to people information that doesn't add value to them so mm -hmm. if it's if it's just for the sake of of, of saying something but it, it's not benefit driven it's not benefit led it's not mm -hmm. either informative or useful or interesting then i would probably just um not communicate at yeah. all yeah. <laughs> um and i think that also applies not just to to communications but to the imagery you mm -hmm. use so the imagery has to really be be telling the story and you can't be potentially misdirecting uh people or or, or covering anything up uh with with Imagery as well. So yeah, these are kind of the the layers, I, I suppose, of, of protocols that we have in place. But like you say, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong, and you know, humans and brands are generally imperfect. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's good to kind of reflect that as a brand, so that people can relate to it more, because you know, everyone has their own flaws, and so seeing a brand really uh, acknowledge that and and move forward with that in mind, I think it's it's great for for building that customer trust, and also in an age of 
you know, social media and everything, I think people are, are much more aware of that, a lot more knowledgeable about the companies they interact with. And so you really do have to be, you know, on your game about it and, and make sure that mm. this is, you are being mindful of, of these topics because it can easily come back, you know, through just like a simple comment or on Twitter or anything and it will just blow up. And then, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of becoming increasingly important, I think. How, how do you handle that then? Like from, from a brand perspective, social media must be <laughs> a blessing and a curse do you have an approach to that or do you see it as sort of that is just how people communicate you know social media we have this happening at the moment where a lot of organizations and individuals are being sort of like i don't know cancelled or whatever the term is people are really going after them using social media how do you face that challenge so i think we have a pretty pretty clear kind of approach and 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 attitude to community management on mm -hmm. our social media so on our on the channels that we as a team kind of have in our in our responsibility and remit if there is a specific comment from a customer or client that requires any follow-up action. So for example, you know, there is a complaint that, mm -hmm. that they have or potentially they have delivered, they have been delivered a, a, a negative experience or a negative product or service experience, then we direct them to, to the right team that will address that, that will help solve it. When it's just kind of comments around, you know, uh, around HSBC as a brand or when comments under, under our posts, we generally keep our engagement to to a minimum. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't necessarily start conversations, you know, dialogue with our audiences on social media, because as you say, it probably is not going to end there. There are many different reasons and rationale for these comments, and they all often come from various different places. And and it, it could be a never ending discussion. And sometimes there is no, you know, they're posted without a real need for a discussion. Mm. They're yeah. just posted because they can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's obviously open so everyone can see them. Yeah. Everyone can see what the comments are. We are not hiding anything. Mm -hmm. and we're definitely not, you know, not, not removing them. No, no, yeah. People like to vent on social media and... Yeah, and they have a, you know, they, that, it's their prerogative. Yeah. yeah. I guess you're, you work so hard to try and deliver the best customer experience, let's say, to every customer. But with millions and millions of customers across the world, occasionally, you know, it doesn't go to plan. But it sounds like you have the right core values in place that everyone knows this is how we handle this and this is the best way to do it. And well, it's a way to do well, it. Yeah, I think yeah. other brands will probably get into, into yeah. a slightly more kind of engaged conversation yeah. with uh, within their social media. And that's that's a way as well. That's yeah. a strategy. Some brands like go and insult the commenters back or like make it a whole joke <laughs> out of it and thing. And then that's what gets them even more exposure. Yes. And it's, yes. you know, but that doesn't work for everyone, obviously. In a way, promoting diversity and inclusion should also mean that you're considerate and accepting of others who view the world differently, and those whose perspectives and philosophy differ from your own. This stance of inclusion resonates across multiple pillars of society, including customers with various economic situations too. In our time of inflation, how is HSBC tackling the cost of living crisis from a customer experience angle? The way we react to this landscape will vary slightly market by market. Mm -hmm. But for everyone, the crisis will manifest itself in a slightly different way, which is why there isn't really a, you know, a one size fits all approach or answer to it. The, the best way to approach it is really to just communicate that there are ways and there are means and there are solutions. And you just need to encourage people through call to action to, to have that conversation 
And then whatever your specific situation is, there are solutions for that. And then in other markets, there might be slightly different problems. So I think it all needs to start with a very robust social listening mm. and research exercise mm -hmm. just to understand what are the top five pain points that people are struggling with as part of that cost of living crisis. And then to really manage the proposition accordingly first and then to develop a campaign around it. But it has to be an orchestrated effort between brand marketing, product, proposition team, mm -hmm. and obviously, yeah. um, and it has to be aligned with the strategy of the bank all, all together. The, the, the thing is, it has to yeah. be customized, right? It has to be personalized. And that's why it varies from one market to another. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. I think definitely one thing I've picked up over the years with customer experience is brand image and brand equity quite commonly built in the toughest of times. Mm -hmm. So when the chips are down for a customer, either they face a challenge or they're stuck and they're in a difficult situation, especially in a financial sense, that's when your brand, if it then plays a positive role and a helping role, that's when I think you create the most positive brand experience for the long term. That's where yeah. you, you know, I don't know what you think, but like, that's how I sort of see it. Because it's good when you look at a brand when the times are good, but when the times are not so good, that's when, you know, yeah, I think it's a it's a very valid observation. Completely, mm. completely agree with that. I would say it's a little bit like with people, right? Yeah. It's it's, it's usually in times of personal crisis mm. or or difficult periods and and rough patches that you see who your who your real friend is, and if they were there, you know, in the times of need, then you will remember them for a very long time, and you will probably yeah. stick with them and 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 respect that friendship. And I think it's it's very similar to to the situation of friends. I think there is also another element of it, which is about in times of uncertainty. And, and crises, a lot of people kind of gravitate towards safe havens and, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and safe brands and safe pairs of hands. And I think that's where typically there is kind of a, a flight to, to quality and safety. And that must be obviously more challenging as well, because it's such a massive global brand. The impacts of what you do could be, you know, bigger or, or smaller compared to smaller brands. So like the positives are bigger and the negative backlash might be bigger as well. And it, I think it all brings it back to that point of diversity and inclusion and transparency that we've been talking about that in when it comes to like an economic crisis as well, you have to be considerate about all those things and about how, you know, different people might react to the services that you're providing through your brand image and and how they will perceive you as a result and like greg said these harder times are what will shape that perception for years to come thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the podcast and if you did why not subscribe to our youtube channel for access to full-length videos and youtube shorts you can also like share and comment on the episode to keep the conversation going if you want to join our growing community of thought leaders head over to linkedin and follow us at cx insider podcast to stay updated thanks again i've been marcel and i'll see you in two weeks but for now enjoy our rapid fire questions and by the way this podcast has been brought to you by acf technologies the global leaders in customer experience management solutions so my first question is if you could have an unlimited supply of anything what would that be sleep it's <laughs> <laughs> a great answer <laughs> yeah where is your favorite holiday destination i love beaches i would say in terms of a location a beach in terms of a country probably spain okay so spanish beach yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last tv show that you loved watching probably you Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a really good one. I, I love do. dark. Yeah. TV Which season shows. is your favorite? Probably the first. Yeah. Yeah.
it's quite interesting isn't it because it like you feel like empathy for this psychopath and it's really like it's just <laughs> and a bit it's weird. really disturbing yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. really disturbing because i don't but want it's, to but it's really good it's yeah. Really good. yeah what is your favorite snack um snickers oh mm. brilliant. I, I agree with you i think that's my yeah. favorite too yeah yeah have you tried um do you like peanut butter i love peanut butter they have these yeah. like little ones that have peanut butter inside as well and it's so nice Oh, I think for peanut butter, I always go for Reese. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll try. I'll try that one as well. One, yeah. <laughs> and my final question. What career did you dream of having when you were younger? I always wanted to be a singer. But given the fact that I have no voice at all, <laughs> it, it, it just proves very difficult slash impossible. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. <laughs>